it applies in so many areas of our life. Um, every, every time that we do something, we should examine and think, okay, what was there good that was done in, in that? What was there bad, and what can we do better? Um, I have a uh, I have a list that goes back for years. Every time we're done with Bible time, sit down and write. Okay, yeah, this this went very well. No, this didn't go so well. Um, this is what we can change. And in in all of our life, in things we need to we need to do things like that. I keep a. During the soccer season when I'm coaching, I keep a running list of things. This did not go well, and this did. And usually the list of did not go well is longer than the list of what did. But, um, but you learn through that. And, and the reality is the message of Christ never changes. But the methods can change. And sometimes we get where we worship the methods and we, we're not really emphasizing the message. And, and admittedly, you can get into some areas where the methods are wrong, but there is a, there is a broad spectrum of various methods. Now, Bible time is one area of um, opportunity that we have, and there's there's many different ways of doing Bible time or vacation Bible school, and and we've done many different ways, but the reality is um, the point in all of this, if you turn to First Corinthians chapter three is that we're, we're reminded of what is the point of what we do specifically in Bible time. And this is a part of the ministry of the church. The specific ministry of the church is to minister to believers, to equip us to go out into the world to reach the lost. And, and so it's, uh, we reach the lost, we disciple them, and part of that is involved in equipping here through the local church so that we can go out and our lives can touch the lost and make a difference. And, and thankfully, since Jesus Christ lived on the earth, there have always been people that have carried the gospel and God has worked in people's lives to bring them to salvation. You think of this. There is no earthly organization that runs the ministry and the spread of the gospel. That's probably why it has been as successful as it is. Because anything we get our hands on, we mess it up. And the miracle of that, that from the time of Jesus Christ, there have always been believers, 
And Satan has tried to wipe them out in many different ways, and he continues to do it today. But there have always been believers that believe the same gospel that we believe, and they've shared it with others. As Brother Hamilton mentioned, a friend of his mother invited them, and um, did um, several of your family come to know Christ then? The whole family came to know Christ as Savior. All throughout history, that has been happening. That is the work of God. And now we're the ones that we have been entrusted with the gospel. He's given that to us. And it's not just for us to say, oh, yay, I'm going to heaven. It is now given to us, and it is our responsibility that he mentions here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He mentioned that we are co-laborers together with Christ. Verse 5, who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Paul says, I have planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, Ye are God's building. And then he goes on and talks about um, we are given the responsibility to build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. But you notice he said some plant, some water, but it is God that gives the increase. Sometimes we look for the perfect soil to plant the seed in. I've talked to uh, a number of farmers that this this spring, some said, well, I put it in. I didn't know if it was too early. I've, I haven't talked to any that said, when I planted, I knew it was perfect. It was going to get the, the, the soil temperature was perfect. The moisture was perfect. I'd seen the extended forecast. It was perfect. If... If farmers waited until it was perfect, they'd never get a crop. And it's our responsibility to not give the increase. Our responsibility is to plant and water. Neighborhood Bible time is a way that it's it's planting time, so to speak. You know, it's, it's a time to plant some seeds here. But it also does so much in, in regard to our own lives. And, and I just want to call our attention to some of these things. You know, um, there, as I said, there is no perfect way to get the gospel out. God intends every one of us to be bearers of the gospel. And he puts us in various locations, and he has us meet various people. And 
And as we were reminded many years ago, we want to be an instrument that helps bring a person one step closer to Christ. Plant the seed and water. And as we do this through Bible time, one of the things that it helps in our life is it helps us get our eyes off of self. We are, we are all so self-bound. It is so easy to just get our eyes on ourselves and, and God, what are you doing for me? And God, I need you to do this and I have this burden and I have this burden. One of the, one of the privileges that this does, it helps get our eyes off self. Hey, we, we need to go canvassing. So Wednesday night, we went out and covered the town. And just doing that, some, some of you commented, and I saw it in my own, in my own life. It opens you up to situations, to lives of getting it off yourself. So one of the benefits that we have in being involved in this, it, it helps get our eyes off ourselves. How can we serve? Secondly, as we serve together, it helps us to know each other. You know, honestly, when you just come to church, say, hi, how are you? And you go away, you know who they are, but you don't really get to know someone. But as you're working together in, and again, I'm using Bible time as an example, and this isn't exclusive to Bible, but when you work together, you get to know someone. And and as you do that, as you're a helper in the class and they're teaching or you're teaching or you're registering or whatever it is, you have the opportunity to get to know people. You'll, you'll see how you can be a blessing to them, how you can pray for them. And it really, in any serving that we do together, it helps us to know each other and it brings us to really work together. You know, many times in Christianity, we're all, we're all pulling, pulling our own separate wagons, so to speak. When you get in and you work together and you're both, or a group is, is pulling together, hey, this is where we really want to plant seeds in the lives of young children, whoever God brings to us, we want to plant seeds in their lives. And we're all working. Someone said fellowship is two fellows in the same ship. And, and there's a lot of truth to that. We're, we're both in the same boat and we're wanting to go the same direction. Sometimes we're both in the same boat and we're paddling different directions. One's on one oar and one's on the other and we just go in circles. And, and we wonder why we're not going anywhere. We create a lot of turbulence in the water, but we don't go anywhere. It's when we work together that it makes a difference. It then gives us the opportunity to serve others. Who did God say was the greatest? The greatest among you are those that serve. Some will be serving refreshments. Some will be serving in the nursery. Some will be serving in teaching and helping and counseling. Some will be serving in providing meals for the evangelist. 
God help us when we get to the point that we don't serve. The greatest among us is the servant. And, and I know there are many, many ways to serve. But we need to make sure that we're serving. I'm not saying Bible time is the only way to serve. But one of the things that it does, it, it gives us. I won't ask for a raise of hands, but, um, you know, sometimes we need pushed out of our comfort zone. And just saying, um, we've put out the Bible time volunteer workers enlistment sheet. And you don't need to raise your hand. Oh, boy. Is it that time already? You know what? Sometimes we can honestly have those thoughts. That's just the reality of it already. But, okay, it's time to get up and get going, and here we need to go. Let's go. And it gives us the opportunity to serve others, and then we all need to be reminded of how important it is to care for the lost. You know, one of the problems that we have in Christianity, we have become caretakers of the aquarium and not fishers of men. And honestly, Christianity in America is dying because we haven't had the heart that God has for the lost. And this is an opportunity that that we go and invite and pray and for God to give us an opportunity to care for the lost, to to love these kids. I mentioned to the, the Bible time workers, we most of us can't even imagine what many of these kids live in and with and through. And honestly, many of them have nothing in their life that is hopeful, helpful, or encouraging. And for us to have the opportunity to to provide some encouragement and hope and help and and grace in their life, uh, what a blessing it is for us to learn to have the heart of God. Read through Luke 10. God's heart is all about the lost. And then it gives us an opportunity to sacrifice. C.T. Studd, a great missionary used of God to the New Hebrides Islands, said along this line, he said, When I have a proper view of Christ's payment for my sin." The word sacrifice disappears from my vocabulary. What sacrifice can I make that compares to what he made? But honestly, any service that you do for Christ means you put aside your own will. And call it sacrifice, call it dying to self, call it whatever you will. But we need that in our lives. And it is important. It, 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 
it is vital for us to do that. I touched on this in number five, but number seven is to love children. But I want to expand on this. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. We live in a society that really doesn't like children. You say, wait a minute. There's a large parts of the world that don't. It's evident by the birth rate that's taken place in our world today. And sad to say, many times, and in, in many churches, and thankfully not here, but they don't really love children. Now, can we do better loving children? Absolutely. But you know, kids... Kids ought to know that there is a welcome place among Christians. And will they break something? Absolutely. Will probably Kool-Aid get spilled on the carpet? Big whoop. This isn't a museum. Where there are no oxen, The barn is clean, Proverbs tells us. And if all we want is a clean house, I mean, my philosophy about a home is a home is where it ought to be a nice place to be, and you have fun, and you enjoy each other. Thankfully, Maryland isn't one that wants the home to be a museum and everything in an exact spot and everything spotless. If that's the way you have your home, God bless you. I'm glad I'm not married to you. (laughs) But you know what? Our kids have broke stuff, but I'm playing with them and we're doing it. And and you know what? Our kids have backed into cars and... That's life. It's not like, oh, well, hit it again. See if you can do more than that. No, we try to teach them responsibility. But I don't worship my car. I don't worship my carpet. I don't worship the walls. Now, our kids put a full body, full body dent into the sheetrock going up for a layup on their little indoor basketball hoop, okay? Well, they got an opportunity to learn how to replace sheetrock, okay? And so did I, all right? But I'd rather have them doing that than just sitting there with their hands folded doing nothing. And the same is true. These kids that come in, a lot of times they've been told all their life, sit down, shut up, get out of here. And that they find someone, and you know what? They'll tell it by our eyes. Just even how we look at them, our countenance, and to confirm to them that you are welcoming. Can you imagine how kids would see Jesus' face? You know, I mean, there they were. One of them felt so comfortable that he he was sitting on Jesus' lap. And the disciples said, get him out of here. And Jesus said, no. I mean, 
That's what we want. These kids to be so comfortable that they can come to know the love of Jesus. And that means we need to depend on God. We can't do this. And that's where we need everybody's prayer in this. Andrew said, you know what it's like working with kids. And I almost said, yeah, you know what it's like working with adults. There is no difference. He said, we need patience. You know what it's like working with kids. You know what it's like working with people, whether it's in business or church or anywhere, right? Amen? We as people are hard to work with. We need patience. We need God. We need His grace. I mean, there will be times this week that some of these coming to serve have just had a really, really bad day at work and and they were hoping that they could get home a little early to review their lesson and they're coming in and it's like, man, I didn't get home early. I had to stay late and, and I'm trying to scarf down something on on the way into church and and they're at wit's end and they need the grace of God and they need to depend on God and they need your prayers. See, Satan, this is spiritual warfare. Satan doesn't want any kid to learn the five facts about my everlasting life. He doesn't want them to learn any of that. But God does, and we need to depend on God. And number nine, it teaches us to have character. The definition of character I like is doing right regardless. You do right regardless how you feel. You do right regardless of the circumstances. You do right, period. And and that means as we get involved, we have to have character. Do right regardless and an opportunity to build character. And then lastly, it lays up treasures in heaven. It causes joy in heaven. If one person trusts Christ this week, there will be a celebration in heaven. You think, what else can we do that causes a celebration in heaven? If Iowa or Iowa State win the national football championship, we'll all die of heart attacks that it happened, one. It won't cause joy in heaven. If, if, <laughs> if you win the lottery, it won't cause joy in heaven. If, if, no, what else can you do? What else can we do that causes joy in heaven? The reality is, he specifically said, when one person trusts Christ as Savior, there is joy in heaven. And then he also said, inasmuch as you do it unto one of the least of these, you have done it unto me. And that which is done in secret, I will reward openly. And so we have the opportunity to give a cup of red Kool-Aid in his name. Amen. To give a monster cookie in his name. 
to give a smile in his name, to give a word of encouragement in his name. And you know what? You're putting money in the bank in heaven, so to speak. You're laying up treasures in heaven. That's the only secure treasures we have. Any other treasures we have could be gone tomorrow. And any service that we do for the Lord is of utmost importance that we keep these things in mind. And this, we all need this refocusing. I need this refocusing. I need to be reminded of these things. And what a joy it is that God has entrusted to us the gospel. And if you're here tonight and you've never responded to the gospel, you need to tonight before you leave. But what a joy. He's given to us the gospel. And the joy, as we mentioned this morning, the change that it brings in our life and pardoned from our sin and redeemed and so on. But now the joy that we can share that with others, that we can plant the seeds. It isn't our job to talk them into it. It isn't our job to high pressure. That isn't our job. job uh, God's job is to give the increase. Our job is to plant and water, not just during Bible time, every day of our lives. Plant the seed of the gospel. And you know what? We'll never know till eternity what seeds came up. Admittedly, some seeds, the fowls of the devil come and snatch it away. And some falls in thorny ground and stony ground, but there's also some that falls on good ground and produces fruit. And it's the confidence that God's word will not return void. What a privilege. I mean... What a what a blessing to know there there will God's word will accomplish his purposes and we're just the garden hose bringing the living water to the garden of God what a privilege heavenly father i pray that you would help every one of us whether we're helping in Bible time or not, Lord, help us to have your heart to the people we come in contact with, to ministering and serving one another as believers, to laying up treasures in heaven, having an eternal perspective. And Lord, I pray that we would be faithful planters and waters as you desire us to be. Lord, we pray tonight for neighborhood Bible time. And God, I pray that your spirit would work to glorify your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.